In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCE and friend, Bill Malone. Michael Dexter and Mark Eggers talk with Bill about his career as a flight nurse, respiratory therapist, and emergency medical technician. Find out how holding certifications in respiratory therapy and nursing can complement each other. This episode is called The Combining of a Nurse and Respiratory Therapist. Hello, and welcome to BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education and Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Michael. Hello, Mark. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Bill Malone. Michael, could you please tell us about our BCN and friend, Bill? Yeah, I would be happy to do that. Bill is a flight nurse, also a respiratory therapist and emergency medical technician from Northern Mississippi. After obtaining his respiratory therapy degree in 2004, Bill later pursued nursing and graduated with a nursing degree in 2011. Bill has been flying full-time for five years now and remains part-time in the CCU, PICU, and critical care ground transport. Bill holds three board certifications in respiratory therapy, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. These uh, certifications include neonatal and adult specialties, And since becoming a nurse, Bill has obtained all five BCEN certifications and also holds the CCRN certification in critical care nursing. In 2020, Bill was honored by the North Mississippi Health Services with the Excellence in Nursing Award. And currently he's enrolled in the University of Mississippi as he pursues a master's degree in nursing. Bill and his wife, Amber, have two children, Cooper and Laurel, as well as two dogs and two cats. Bill, welcome to BCEN and Friends. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you guys for having me and hello, BCEN. So Bill, you have a lot of certifications. (laughs) You have all five BCEN certifications and your CCRN, so uh, a number there. But on top of that, you have three certifications in respiratory therapy. So before we jump down into the certification conversation, can you tell us a little bit more about respiratory therapy as a profession? Kind of what what respiratory therapy school entails uh, and let the nursing community that's listening know about the career of a respiratory therapist sure yeah that's that's a great that's a great question way to start um i did uh graduated in 04 from respiratory school it serves me well in my role today i think almost every time we the rotor start turning i i think everybody i think everybody that was responsible for teaching me the ways of respiratory i find it useful on almost every single transport the majority of individuals that i hear talk about you know diversity in healthcare they they talk about how much diversity and different areas there are to work for nursing i would put respiratory right in that category as well for diverse clinical areas of work. I can't name one area of nursing that respiratory you can, and I will try to name them all. There's no way I'm going to sleep lab, the pulmonary 
rehab, pulmonary function testing, women's and children's specialties, the NICU, of course, adult ICU, ER. It, it, there's just an infinity of areas that respiratory therapy is useful. I would dare say that it is absolutely as diverse as nursing. As far as respiratory therapy school, it is very, very similar to what I experienced in nursing school. It is, it was just as rigorous. I learned, it's just very, very specialized. As I'm sure people realize, we spend two years talking about one system, basically, and there are many aspects. It's not just the airway and ventilation aspects. We also talk about stages of asthma and stages of cystic fibrosis and how best to pursue rehab in those areas. It's just, it's a lot more of a deluxe respiratory education in respiratory therapy school than there is in nursing. So Bill, once you became a respiratory therapist, I'm sure you've had this happen before where or at least I've seen where you have nurses that want to come in and and make changes on the ventilator or they want to adjust things, they want to do things respiratory wise, but you don't see a lot of respiratory therapists that say, hey, I want to push that medicine or hey, I want to start that IV. It seems seems to be a little bit less in that regard than there are on nurses wanting to jump in and do respiratory things. What made you uh, decide after those years as an RT decide that you wanted to then become an RN? And did you see any of that interaction that made you say, you know what, I want to be able to do both of those? That is a very interesting question. And it leads directly into the role that I have today as a nurse. I am currently doing flight nursing. And to me, it's the perfect marriage of the two roles. I get to do all those things you just mentioned as a nurse, take care of all the aspects, all the systems, but I also get to do the very specialized thing that I went to school for, which is mechanical ventilation and airway management. I, as far as what made me go into nursing, it was it was probably that, to be honest, the fact that I, I could more easily know kind of graduate into transport medicine it was knowing that that would you know not not give me a leg up but serve me really well in in that regard I, I could be more effective at that point of care than if it was somebody that did not have that training beforehand that did not have the that respiratory background beforehand it's just really useful not to say that you know paramedics and nurses do not have a respiratory education at all. It just, it was kind of a cheat code for me getting into nursing, having that background. Uh, awesome. Well, I don't know a lot of people using that cheat code, so uh, good job there. <laughs> do you, uh, do you have any, now that you have done both roles for a while now, and obviously the flight nurse role, even non-respiratory therapist background, flight nurses have to understand mechanical ventilation, but now that you have done two those two roles completely separately as a respiratory therapist and as a nurse, what advice would you give to nurses that maybe work in a freestanding ER without a respiratory therapist or nurses that just want to know about respiratory care? What would be some of those pointers that you feel every nurse really should know as a core foundation of, of respiration and ventilation? That's also, that's a, that's a really good question. I, 
the number one thing that I guess I automatically do when assessing a patient when I walk in the room is airway patency. Do you have a patent open airway? In order for us to establish ventilation, we have to have an open airway. I think that's part of kind of every nurse's, every respiratory therapist's initial assessment anyway, every paramedic's assessment anyway, kind of begins in those same ABC criteria. But as far as, you know, the freestanding that maybe don't have access to, I don't know, man, I, I would really like to have at least be able to contact or have some sort of respiratory specialty support, whether that be like a a telemedicine or even a telephone call or even a, a chat line with some sort of specialty. I don't think that that specialty can be replaced in any way by trying to trying to not have it. It's difficult to replace that kind of specialized way of looking at things. I try to really emphasize the therapy in respiratory therapy in that every patient is absolutely different and you're going to have to adjust your plan depending on the situation. And we all have to do that. It's just, I think you really have a, a different way of, a different perspective of, of looking at the situation through a, a respiratory therapist. I, I define myself firstly as a respiratory therapist. I probably always will. Maybe you, we always feel whatever we work first, that we will always view it kind of through those eyes. I would say and definitely the patent airway, but if we can establish entitled CO2 on a, if you have any type of invasive ventilation happening, that is the utmost importance, I think. I'm a entitled CO2 kind of freak. I um, kind of want to put it on everybody. So it just kind of comes with the territory if you're riding with me. So Bill, you mentioned entitled CO2, but there's a lot of nurses and a lot of respiratory therapists that don't use entitled CO2. In fact, I personally have had a respiratory therapist remove inline entitled CO2 from a mechanically ventilated patient that I was caring for. Do you, what do you think the biggest holdup in using entitled CO2 is between both nursing and respiratory therapy? Probably from a financial aspect, it, it may not be feasible for everyone to have entitled CO2. In our transport environment, I think it's so important as an assurance of correct airway placement, but it's also assurance of the end organ perfusion that we're seeing. You know, we use that number as a, yes, I'm in the right place, but I also use that number as a, do I have an adequate blood pressure? So I have heard of respiratory therapists, especially in the neonatal setting, removing it for kind of dead space issues. And right. I have a problem with that. I just, if we could establish the presence of it and establish the waveform, then intermittent use would be fine. I just, I'm a big advocate of assuring placement. I think it's a big way to assure that we're in the right place, that we're not in the esophagus. And um, that's why. Well, good. Well, uh, just a couple quick questions for you, and then I'll turn it over to Mark. And, and these really are tied in together, but you have many board certifications, as I mentioned before, uh, neonatal, adults, respiratory therapy, 
all of the BCEN certifications, your CCRN. So number one is what puts you on the path toward obtaining specialty certification? And then the second part of that question is, because they all require continuing education, what are your thoughts and, uh, and feelings about the continuing education aspect of your career and why lifelong learning is so important? What put me on the path was probably the magnificent learning environment we have at my facility. I work at North Mississippi Medical Center. It's in Tupelo. We're a level two trauma center and we have wonderful transport clinicians. I'm honored every day to get to say that I'm one of these guys. And I have a couple of other colleagues that also have the BCEN five certifications. And, you know, it's not a, it's not like a race or a contest. It's just a, a really great environment for learning, a really great environment for studying and trying to level up as far as education goes and hold up to the most current standards. The lifelong learning, it kind of goes without saying that you don't want to fall out of favor with what is the the current practice. It Going through the exams and going through the studies for the exam, it, it's just a really good guide. And I wouldn't want to do the same thing, treating something the same way for 20 years in a row. Yeah, I agree with you. Like if you're treating the same thing 20 years in a row is it's really in, in some instances, it's a it's a disregard for the patient. Uh, if newer technology has advanced and new studies have shown and proven that certain things do need to be changed in our practice. You know, there's obviously some things we have done similar for 20 years, but there's many, many other things even in the past few years, when I think of COVID and when I think of some of the, the mechanical circulatory support devices that you, I'm sure, have to transport, a lot of those things we, we didn't even have five, 10 years ago. And, and so it's, it's a continuous journey. It is. And, and like you said, the, the ventilation strategies, they change. When I graduated in 04, we were putting everybody on the six to 10 mils per kilo tidal volumes. That's really been dialed down with the ARDSnet study. We're kind of six to eight is kind of where we start now. With the lung protective strategies, you're seeing four to six mils per kilo. Right. It's, it's things like that that you kind of, you're able to stay on the same page about what is the best way that we have right now to take care of people. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, great. Well, I appreciate all of your all of the conversation. I appreciate your insight. And I just really want to tell you how much I respect the fact that you have done so much in emergency medicine through both your nursing career and your respiratory therapy career. So thank you for that. I'm going to turn it over to Mark. Thanks, Michael. And thank you, Bill. appreciate that. Bill, can you tell me about a person or a moment in your career that's greatly impacted you? Yes, this is going to be really hard to whittle down to a moment, but there's been a multitude of people that are kind of responsible for where my role today. Uh, I have to talk about Jim here. He, Jim Spruill, he was a he was my boss when I first got into transport medicine. We we lost him shortly after I began flying in 2017. He was just a tremendous mentor and teacher, educator. He's a legendary clinician around here. I'm sure anybody that would listen to this probably had an experience with Jim that they they come away better for. 
we all, my colleagues and I try to, you know, not necessarily be like Jim, but live up to the standard that he set as far as clinical excellence. From a, from a personal standpoint, you know, my mom and dad growing up, my mother was a nurse. She went through nursing school when I was little. And I remember those really big textbooks. And I was just in awe of, you know, how, how could one person really learn and apply all of that? I was just, it seemed like the hardest thing in the world to me. But uh, I always looked up to her for that. My dad was a community servant. He was a volunteer fireman and responding to all those fire calls in my teenage and early 20s probably cemented my wanting to go help people when they need us. As far as everyday hero, though, it's it's my wife, Amber. She really, she's very, very supportive. She is the best mother in the world. She's a really good study partner, actually. I would not want to, uh, I wouldn't want to test her as far as trivia goes. She could do really well with some cranial nerves or congenital heart abnormalities or anything in list form. She probably knows way more than she cares to about all that. She's probably... As far as personally goes, she's she's the pillar. Great. Thank you for sharing it. I appreciate that. So, Bill, if you weren't doing what you were doing today in the healthcare field or nursing, respiratory, and that, uh, is there any other thing you think you would have done, a different role you would have had in life? Oh, I don't think so. I, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would probably be trying to still. I'm one of the lucky people that that really get to honestly say, they're doing what they wanted to do. And the the old saying was, you know, do what you love. You never have to work a day. And I think anybody that knows me would tell you that that is absolutely true. I love the job that we get to do. It's, it's, it is really a get to do it job. It is not lost on me at all. I know people I, they hear me say I have such a joy about my job, but it's not lost on me that we're going to take care of people and support their families through what is probably, if not the, then one of the worst days of their lives. And it's such a tremendous responsibility and honor to be able to get to try to help, to try to make it as temporary as possible. I don't take it lightly to be able to do that. Excellent. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask you about some favorite things. What is a favorite book? that you have any favorite book favorite book is probably um i don't know I'm, I'm a fan of i really like walter payton's autobiography it talks about his years with the bears and just kind of his predisposition toward things i'm a big uh david goggins fan the the ex-navy seal he talks a lot about mental toughness good excellent how about a favorite movie i'm a big ghostbusters guy i don't know how many of you guys remember that it was um who are you going to call? Ah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. I, um, the new Top Gun is great for any of my aviation friends that haven't seen that. It's, it's a big dip in the nostalgia pool. We really enjoyed that. Good. Yeah, and I heard the second one's even better than the first one, actually. So. Yes, very much. Great. And how about a favorite song? Favorite song? Um, I'm a little bit of an old soul when it comes to music, I think. my. I have my dad's taste in music. I'm a big Earth, Wind, and Fire, OJs. I'm uh, in that era. Excellent. Good. And how about what's a comfort food or comfort meal that you really enjoy? Well, I'm from 
North Mississippi. We're just, we're about an hour south of Memphis and there's, there's some really good barbecue up there, but it does cost me sometimes when trying to make weight for the helicopter, but I, I just try to do a lot of cardio and sweat a lot to try to stay on task. As soon as you said Memphis, I thought barbecue. Yep. Absolutely. And any other hobbies or interest that we need to know about? Any other things that you like to do? Yeah, we were talking earlier. We're big Braves fans. We're big Ole Miss fans. We're really close to their Saints. We, um, we're we not that far from New Orleans up here. Tupelo, Northeast Mississippi, we're kind of in a geographical it's not that far from anywhere. It's not really close to anything. So we kind of have our pick of the Titans and Saints. We uh, we watch a lot of sports around here. Gotcha. Well, then you can go with a team that's winning. So that's okay. No. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, Bill, if our audience would like to follow you online, social media platform, I understand you're on Twitter. I am. You can uh, at Malone16. That is my loan endeavor into the social media right now. I just... Uh, retweet a lot of stuff all right good excellent so i want to take this time to thank you bill for joining us this episode of bcn and friends i uh, thank you for sharing your time your stories and just being with us i appreciate it thank you guys so much for having me it was really an honor and to all of our listeners we hope you'll stay tuned as we continue on with bcn and friends and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives if you have a suggestion for an episode please email us at bcn at bcn.org I'm Mark Eggers, here with Michael Dexter. And on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, 